The following Dharma talk was presented at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota, as part of the weekly Dharma series. So, hi, welcome everyone. Good to see you out on a beautiful evening. Um, nice and cool outside. Not so so warm inside. So, um, my name is Mara Young, and some of you may be familiar with me or. Um, I sometimes come and share when uh, Mark is um, out of town, so I'm grateful to be here and with all of you. And I have been a member of the community since its origins and been practicing meditation just like maybe many of you for, uh, happens to be for many decades now. And uh, I'm just here to support our practice um, tonight. So I also um, teach um, meditation both in university settings, school of social work, at the, through the university MBSR program, and um, also integrated into psychotherapy practice at the Center for Grief and Loss and in private practice that's nearby. So I've been in this field of working with the mind and the body, mental health, and all of that for some time. And I was... Um, um, reflecting on tonight's talk, what it would be on. And the topic is uh, on, the, on patience. Letting the mind settle, cultivating the parami of patience. The Buddha said that the greatest prayer is patience. The greatest prayer is patience. Um, how many of us struggle or are challenged with the quality of patience? I'll raise both hands. (laughs) Um, So I'd like to share a little bit about this practice, but let's uh, do a little warming up here. So uh, this is from a West African uh, saying, at the bottom of patience, one finds heaven. A Moroccan saying, at the gate of patience, there is no crowding. And in East African Swahili, haste has no blessing. And the American phrase is, keep your shirt on. (laughs) (laughs) And I read about that expression, and I didn't realize that it must be predominantly male uh, (laughs) gender about getting angry ripping the shirt off, and then getting ready to fight. Um, But there's some other expressions we have here in this um, American uh, culture. Uh, To blow one stack, to go ballistic, hit the ceiling, freak out, get steamed, run amok, be beside oneself, see red, vent one's spleen, there's a couple more. This one I like. I've never used this, and I think I'm going to use it now. It's like, you know what? I feel like I'm going to have kittens. <laughs> that sounds like the best versus I'm seeing red right now. You know, I'm going to boil over, flip off, you know, blow a gasket. I mean, we're going to need some new ones. I don't, I don't see any that are from the com- computer age, you know, like um, what would we say? Uh, when the computer just, um, when the little thing is spinning, 
That's actually one of the most difficult times for me, and actually why I was printing out this talk. The printer was not working, and it was coming out cockamamie and misprinted uh, several times. And I had an opportunity to practice patience right there and then. So you can play with me here a little bit, okay? So especially when we cover these challenging topics. So um, uh, say after me, I want patience. I want patience. And when do I want it? Now. (laughs) Right now. Uh, My husband suggested that one. I said, thank you. Right. Uh, Paul Cohelo says, I've seen many storms in my life. Most storms have caught me by surprise. So I had to learn very quickly to look further and understand that I am not capable of controlling the weather to exercise the art of patience and to respect the fury of nature. And we certainly know that here in Minnesota with a 40-degree temperature change within a short time. I think last Sunday it was 100 degrees. Sharon Salzberg, who many of us are familiar with, Dharma teacher, says, Patience doesn't mean making a pact with the devil of denial, ignoring our emotions and aspirations. It means being wholeheartedly engaged in the process that's unfolding, rather than ripping open a budding flower or demanding a caterpillar hurry up and get that chrysalis stage over. We, well, and get that chrysalis stage over. So actually, I may have mentioned this story before, but one of my early uh, teachers when I was um, first um, um, getting into meditation basically uh, told me um, to be patient. He said, you can't rip open the petals of the flower because I really was frustrated, depressed. I was anxious to... Um, you know, get enlightened, and I just wanted to, you know, just crack it right open, right? Which would have been extremely harmful. So, and I often find this, um, particularly working with people in their grieving process or with anxiety, depression, other challenges, where it's like, you know, we often use this qualification, like, well, I'm not there yet. Or, you know, we're very judging. We want to be somewhere where we're not. And then sometimes I'll even use that metaphor. I'll say, well, you know, um, any more than you would say to a young child, you should be running a a triathlon by now. Um, You would not um, expect that of yourself when you're going through a hard time. So being patient with ourselves in our own process you know, I, I recently had an experience with, um, um, and I'm, I'm fine, just that some, some health stuff gets kicked up. And, um, and it really opened the door to doing a deeper work on releasing old traumas and stress that was held in the body that I've been working on for decades. But there was a sense of, like, gratitude rather than, really, really, are you going to have another round of this to have to, release, it was more like, I'm so grateful that these conditions, I came back from a long retreat, and I had a lot of food sensitivities and reactions, and I realized, like, oh, there's a lot that's coming up 
for me to release at an even deeper level. So bringing patience to the process and know that it's not a one and done or it's not like um, um, any expectations that it's not a lifelong journey of learning and healing and growing and opening and that we have many experiences of enlightenments and insights over the course of a lifetime. Even the Buddha kept practicing. So May Sarton says, everything slows us down and forces patience. Everything that gets us back into slow circles of nature is a help. So um, I'd like to, and then one more thing from Winona LaDuke. She said, what we need to do is find the wellspring that keeps us going, that gives us the strength and patience to keep up the struggle for a long time. You know, so, so I'm going to talk about three kinds of patients, but I'd like to give you a little background um, about the paramis. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with the paramis, but there's ten of them, and it has this word that perhaps as a Westerner or as a person, perhaps it doesn't bother you, but when I hear the word ten perfections and a word like perfection, um, I get a little nervous because I know that um, I'll never be perfect, and that isn't necessarily what it's about. It's about really cultivating these qualities of heart and mind that are awakened heart and mind, that are the perfections of these qualities in and of themselves. So it's an ongoing practice and process. Actually, another term for it is um, completeness bringing it to completeness. And I'd like to share a little more about a story that will clarify the historical background of the Paramis. Uh, This is um, um, about this aesthetic, a Sumedha. So I'd like to read the first part just because it's kind of funny. So four incalculables and 100,000 eons before our present age, which is to say a very, very very long time ago, an aesthetic named Sumedho was practicing the path to arahantship, to awakening. And at that time, there was a fully enlightened Buddha who was going through the, the country giving teachings, the Buddha Dipankara. Anyway, he was going along, and Sumedho was overcome and, and saw that that this enlightened one was walking and that there was mud on the path. So he laid his body down as like for the awakened one to step on and the entire retinue of Sangha going behind him, which was probably a lot of people in those days. So he put himself down and in that moment, and the Dipankara Buddha understood the intention that, that Sumedha made at that time was that he wanted to become a fully awakened Buddha. So uh, the Buddha Dipankara honored his request. And that it says later in the story that um, if he had just listened to one discourse by this enlightened Buddha that was prior to the Buddha that um, we're talking about, Shakyamuni, the one that we, we um, know about here, if he had listened to one discourse later that day, he would have become fully enlightened. However, he 
chose to become a fully awakened Buddha with a completely awakened heart and mind, which would have been becoming a Buddha himself, not simply an awake, an enlightened one. So there's a distinction. So what he did is he thought, now how am I going to accomplish this? So it was revealed, had he not made that aspiration, he would have become awakened that day. Um, So he went to his cave to reflect. How can I make this journey, he wondered. What aspect of heart and mind do I need to develop in order to become a Buddha? As he reflected, he saw there were ten wholesome qualities that you'd need to bring about strength and maturity of these factors. And they came to his mind one by one. And these are the, the ten paramis. And patience is numero six. Okay? So the first one is generosity. The second one is virtue, also known as sila in the Pali. That's the one of the the five precepts in how do we live an ethical life, right? And then um, he also had renunciation, wisdom, energy, and patience, which is kanti in the Pali, truthfulness, determination, loving kindness, and equanimity. So these are the ten factors for this, um, these wholesome qualities to develop in us as human beings. And what's interesting, of course, with a lot of the Buddha's, if not all of the Buddha's teachings, the Eightfold Path is also part of this process of how do we live a mindful, awake, kind life. Everything, if you practice one quality, other qualities are developed. Right. If you're practicing patience, and I'll try to give some examples, is that you could develop equanimity. You can develop, it takes energy. You can develop perseverance, determination. You know, all of these qualities, every time you go in one doorway, you get multiple benefits. You get tastes from the other doorway. And it's kind of like, okay, as I'm practicing patience, um, I'm also practicing mindful speaking. I was at a meeting earlier today, and because especially this is alive for me, and it's one of the hardest ones for me of these qualities, not that the others aren't challenging, that, that I was aware in a meeting earlier today on working with um, racism and in, in a, in a racial affinity group that I'm in as part of Common Ground, that, that I really needed to practice patience when people were speaking things and things were happening or not happening in the group the way I would have liked them to go. And I was like, thank the Buddha, I've been practicing patience. So there, I'm not going to just, you know, let speak from reactivity. Okay, is this making sense? Okay, so also the paramis... The word, if you look at the um, epistemology of the word, the understanding and breaking it down, it says it's reflected in these two understandings of the word parami or perfection. One, they carry us across to the further shore, which is often the metaphor for what? Awakening, right? So when we develop these wholesome qualities to their fullness as best we can, it can take us in the direction of awakening. And they are foremost important in formulating the purpose to one's life. 
So what is our purpose? You know, are we here to just a, a collect a lot of accomplishments and achievements that are ultimately, ultimately impermanent, or are we here to really awaken our hearts and minds and really be a true human being, living an authentic life? Again, those other things are wonderful and go for it, but it, you know, what is the true purpose of our, of our being, having this precious human life? And the neat thing is, is that the more you develop these, the more... Um, the fruits of your practice come to you, you know. Um, and there, and we'll, we can maybe perhaps discuss that more. There's a lot to unpack here, so I'm going to move on. But I'd like to share that, that, that the Parami patience, Kanti in the Pali, includes tolerance, forbearance, acceptance, and, and endurance. So there's three kinds of patients that are often described. The first one is the patience of perseverance. And let me back up and say, one of the wonderful things about this practice is that it's really where the rubber meets the road. You don't have to be a monastic. This is really about how do we live in daily life. Just as I mentioned, the Eightfold Path how we live with mindfulness, mindfulness of body, speech, and mind, how we work with our livelihood, how we show up, how we relate to each other. So these ten perfections may sound all perfect and lofty, but they're really practical, and we can practice it at any time, any place. How many of you are parents, have children, right? How many of you have elderly parents, perhaps, or parents or family members that you have challenged by? How many of you have um, workplaces or other situations where you're challenged, or school, or, or other relationships? You know, all of the ways that we interact on a regular basis, we can apply these paramis. Patience, kindness, equanimity, determination, showing up, working with our difficult emotions, um, just how we live our daily life. So the paramis are very, very practical. So there's three kinds. Numero uno is the patience of perseverance. All right, so our obstacles, how do you stick with it? Um, One teacher, Michelle McDonald-Smith, she talked about um, it also as forbearance, like a gentle perseverance or forbearance to stick with something and she had a little story about her, her little niece who came up to her and said um, school was boring and they didn't like it and they didn't want to go. And then she took something from a Disney movie on Finding Nemo and she said, well, what did the father fish or whatever the head fish say to little Nemo when he met an obstacle? Keep swimming, right? Keep swimming. Just stay in the water. Um, sometimes when I'm working with folks, um, my clients have been my greatest teachers and other students, folks I work with, as well as my own family, particularly my son, who's now grown. He's my greatest teacher and still calls me out to this day when my paramis are shaky. And, uh, um, you know, over and over again, like I have some one person right now who's really struggling a lot, and I just say, just stay in the boat. Just keep going. Just 
You fall in, get back in the boat. Just keep going. You know, it's going to pass. You're going to get through this. You know, call on your support. You know, just keep going. Sometimes it's really, really hard. You know, many of us, reach, we hit obstacles, challenges. Even tonight, it may be hard just to sit here, right? Really hard at times. So how do we keep going? How do we have that perseverance? But it's not a harsh perseverance. It can also be gentle, gentle. And then the second one is patience under insult. You know what that one is? How do we stay patient when, whatever it is, someone is angry with us, right? Someone doesn't like something we said or did. Um, you get a bad review or uh, at work or a grade that you don't want or um, somebody does a finger as you go down the street, right? There's many occasions where we have things coming in that will, you know, trigger us, right? Want us to have kittens or <laughs> blow our stacks or, heaven forbid, take our shirts off. So, so you know, um, we have plenty of this. How do you have patience under insults? And then there's uh, the third one is accepting of the truth. Like, this is how it is. You know, are we willing to look at truths about ourselves? Like, okay, so what's happening here? What am I getting hooked? What am I reacting to? Um, what is so upsetting right now? What am I feeling in my body? What's my story I'm telling myself? You know, so often it's a perception of what's happening. Can I hold a space for someone else might see the situation in a completely different way that I can't understand right now? You know, like how do we look at what's true, what's going on with us, and how do we accept that maybe this is how it is? Um, you know, especially um, given what's going on in the world, we're not talking about complacency, and I'm going to get to some different types of patients if I can tonight, about passive patients and active patients that can be applied to our work in the world, working on issues, whether it's the environment, racism, um, other issues that we're concerned about. It's not about passivity, but it's accepting this is what is here right now. Can I have the quality of patience to be with what it is, accepting the truth, and surrender to just what's happening in the moment? Because a lot of times we, we, we try to fix it, or we try to just, we just, I know one of the places I struggle with patience, and I hadn't quite thought about it this way, was really when I see injustice in the world. When I turn on the TV and I see that situation of um, people, African-American men in a coffee shop being handcuffed away because they were waiting for a friend, I just, I just feel enraged. And so it's like, okay, this is how it is in our society right now. I really need to do something about it. Where can I begin? And often it's right here at home, right here at home. Where can I clear my heart? What can I do in, around this area? Um, is my reacting in rage in and of itself going to help anyone? Is yelling at the TV going to help? No. 
But if I can use that and then have that fuel determination and energy and to do the inner and then find skillful ways of outer work in the world to transform the society. But really, the, the piece is that you have to start here, right? So we've got patience, a perseverance, forbearance of the patience of under insult, and the acceptance, the patience to be with what is. And there's a lot more to cover. This is just a very, very broad brush. Um, and I'll give you a resource just so I remember um, the inquiry questions and some very specific practices that we can work with are um, Gil Fronsdale has a wonderful website on the Inside Meditation Center of Redwood City, and they have he has a whole Parami course on audio online and printable handouts on each one of these. I was actually going to try to cover all ten, and I realized that was, wasn't possible. So I spare you that. So there's a beautiful metaphor um, that's often used in Buddhist teachings, and I tried to bring it in at the beginning, and that's a pond of water. The Buddha likened a pond to the mind. And when it is clear, we see things as they are and struggle less. When there's craving in the mind, the pond is filled with dye, with colors um, or, or obscurations. Most of life is the stance, back and forth, seeing things clearly and then being cloudy in our understanding of not only what is true, but when and how to act during the process. One of the most helpful practices of bringing skill to this dance is the simple but deep practice of patience. One of the things that we can do with patience is simply what? Pause, take a few breaths. Just pause and take a few breaths. You know, often when we're, when we're reacting to the insult or things are hard or we, we want to give up or we can't accept something that we need, we need to open to, like even if it might be the pain of like what I was watching on, on the news, it's like I need to just take a moment so I can open to this reality. So... The uh, Lao Tzu captured this sentiment about the deep practice of patience. Do you have the patience to wait till your mud settles and the water is clear? Can you remain unmoving till the right or wise action arises of itself? Do, you, do we have the patience to simply wait? to let the mud settle and clear, and then respond versus react. If one cultivates patience, one can't help but cultivate mindfulness. After all, if you really aren't trying to get anywhere else in the moment, patience takes care of itself. It's remembering that things unfold in their own time. Seasons come and go, leaves and plants bud and bloom and then die, grow dormant until spring comes again. All of this can't be hurried. 
This is from a, 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 a younger teacher, Lodro Rinsler, um, and he wrote a book. I haven't read the book, but I thought you might enjoy the title. Um, the Buddha Walks into a Bar, <laughs> a guide for life for the now generation. <laughs> okay, so um, perhaps that'll be your cup of tea. But here's something he said about patience. Patience from a Buddhist perspective is not a wait-and-see attitude, but rather one of just be there. And actually what I find is that with patience as a practice and mindfulness and just being willing to just be there is very powerful because, one, there's no more waiting. Every moment you're practicing. And actually I was in line um, on my way to my meetings um, earlier today, and uh, I ran in to grab a bite to eat at the co-op up here. And an elder, um, an elder from one of um, our color communities, um, was in front of me buying a f- uh, some food. And it was, you know, it was el- it was on this slow May Sarton slow time, right? And I'm 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 like, okay, it's right here right now. Patience. So I just brought to mind patience because I'm often in a hurry. Um, I'm usually running late and those that know me will go, yeah, oh yeah, Mara, Mara's running late. I sometimes joke and say, this is, you know, I'm on Mara time. You know, I'm not on linear time. And, uh, um, but it, 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 it's a long habit, and people get annoyed with it at times. And I try to, um, you know, work on it, but um, often I'm not successful. So I was late to my meeting, five or ten minutes, um, and they were very gracious about it. But in that moment, while I was in the Seward line, and here I'm giving a Dharma talk on patience, it's like, okay, patience, patience. So I actually enjoyed seeing the interaction between the elder and the cashier, and then the cashier and I were, I said, hi, hi, how's your day? I didn't go, just get my order done. I just just said, yeah, hi, hope you're having a good afternoon. It's like you might as well relax into it. You know, it's not going to get done any faster, right? And then um, I thanked him. And I, you know, went in there, and then, of course, I go to back out my car, and four people are on either side of me, and then another car pulls up. It's like, what? This is how it is. Let go. Accept the truth. Again, these are very small things, but it's like if you walk around with patience, it's like helpful versus like, all right, there's no waiting anymore. Every moment's an opportunity to be aware, to be kind, to be patient, to live the Dharma. And again, I don't do it perfectly, and, uh, but there's always begin again. Okay? So let's see, does he say anything else here? Um, I want to move on because there's some other teachings here that I, I think you, will be really helpful to you. Um, this is actually about passive and active patience. And I want us also to have some time to talk together because this is a powerful practice. Um, I found this um, on a site, and, and I was drawn to it. On, it's called from an everyday feminist site, actually. 
And I came across this wonderful author, uh, Brashia Wade, and I thought what she's saying about how passive patience is oppressive and active patience can help us, I was intrigued. And I thought, oh, my gosh, this sounds like so dharmic to me. Well, it turns out I read her bio after that, and it's, like, amazing. I mean, I won't read the whole thing because it's quite long, but essentially she's brilliant, number one. Um, she's an African-American woman in a relationship. Her partner's a woman um, who happens to be a white person. And she and her partner actually, um, in their exploration, came out with this process because her partner was really engaged in, in, in the work of um, un, undoing racism. And together, they, they, they have a picture of them and shared this process that she wrote. So she actually has um, a degree um, in, in race and ethnicity, creative writing from Stanford, and a, and a master's of religion, is working on her graduating with a master's of religious studies and theology at the University of Chicago. And not only that, but she's completing a Buddhist chaplaincy program, hopes to be a candidate for ordination in the Zen Buddhist tradition, and a minister in the American Baptist tradition. She's incorporating Reiki and mindfulness in her work as a doula, and that she's a philosopher, theologian, and interested in beginning and end-of-life care. Wow. Like, I would hope maybe we could bring her in sometime. <laughs> she yeah. sounds like, awesome. Um, so, um, I know it's Sunday night. Let's see all right, so I'm just going to, I'm not going to, we're not going to be able to unpack it all. We'll just pull out a few things. So passive patience is stagnant. It doesn't grow or change. You know, um, it asks us to stop complaining, resisting, demanding to comfort and appease folks who are being changed. It doesn't really work to changing the conditions that cause the harm. And then there's passive patience conflates acceptance with complacency. Um, so we're taught that we must accept who and where we are, even if that means accepting one's harmful tendencies in order to change them. But acceptance doesn't mean we're complacent. She says if someone's on fire, a complacent reaction would acknowledge someone's burning but do nothing to address their suffering. So passive um, acceptance is in and of itself is not going to help relieve the suffering. And then, and then, so there's five passive and five active. And then the third one is that it, it's about passive patience centers on one's good intentions over one's hurtful actions. And that's a sticky wicket, right? I didn't intend harm, but yet it caused harm. And then to be able to recognize that even though that wasn't an intention and your good intention was there, you weren't intentionally harming it still had an effect, and to be able to hear it, to be able to take it in. And that could take some patience of, that we're talking about, patience with perseverance. There's passive patience, which is to maintain the status quo and is coercive. And the fifth one is passive patience demands self-sacrifice and martyrship. Um, Passive patience requires that the oppressed use our physical, mental, emotional energies as fertilizer for their dreams. 
And then active patience is an active commitment to change. Um, So passive patience is coercive, but active patience is not coercive. Everyone is involved using their agency so they can move all parties towards the common goal. We can all engage in activation to change. And I'm grateful that Common Ground is really engaged in this change process in terms of our sangha and um, changing some of the culture that we have um, by by dealing with um, our our privilege and opening our communities. Um, So... It's also active patience respects the autonomy of each involved. And then active patience isn't perfect, perfection. And if it's okay to use some four-letter words, maybe I'll just use the the letter um, from the Dharma seat. Active patience isn't perfection. So she says, I've laid out a lot here. It probably sounds like active patience leaves no room for F-ups. But Never fear. We're human, which means that we F-ups are expected. There's often setbacks, right? So that's part of it is just being okay with the fact that we're not going to get it perfect, and it is a practice and a process of patience, and including how we're patient in our activism and how we see the passive ways that we're patient that are actually... um, not true patience, but which is more of a passive way that looks like patience, but I think is not really the kind of patience that we want to cultivate. And she says, cultivating active patience in society that doesn't promote accountability is hard. Active patience requires trust and understands the difference between forgiveness and a pardon, and that we need to develop this trust. Without trust, active patience is impossible, and without active patience, we'll perpetuate oppressive systems through passive patience. So, um, can we go out? Of, can we be dis- uncomfortable? Can we be willing to sit, have the patience to sit with the discomfort of doing this inner work and process, whether it's unraveling privilege and racism? whether it's um, listening to someone who has a different view, whether it's how we drive our car or walk in the world. I'd like to, oh, and the last one is active patience. Doesn't agree with the lack of conflict, and it doesn't settle for good enough. So I'm going to wind down here so we have some chance for discussion, um, and hopefully, forgive me if I've said anything that's been inaccurate or offensive. And I'd like to close with the wisdom of Shanti Deva, who is a bodhisattva, um, on uh, patience. All the virtuous deeds and merit, such as giving and making offerings that we have accumulated over thousands of eons, can be destroyed by just one moment of anger. There is no evil greater than anger. There is no virtue greater than patience. Therefore, I should strive in various ways to become familiar with the practice of patience. If I harbor painful thoughts of anger, I shall not experience mental peace. I shall find no joy or happiness, and I shall be unsettled and unable to sleep. 
There is no greater virtue than patience. So let's sit for a moment. Okay, so um, please bring your wisdom, your challenges with um, patients or related issues around these qualities that you'd like to bring up. Any questions or comments would be welcome. Um, love to hear um, what's, what's where you're at that we can share as a community. Anyone? Any thoughts on patience? You've all got it down? <laughs> yeah. Say your name. I'm Don. And uh, yeah, I have this scenario of an older brother and who's an executor right now of a state. And um, he's extremely angry with me. And um, so... Uh, so the what you said about when someone's critical and angry uh, to have patience in that and I realize there were a lot of things I've done in the past that are coming up now um, so he's he's got he's it, it's really valid and so I was thinking of a way to uh, make amends and get it over with, right? Try to clear the deck. And I was advised uh, not to, to take, to be patient, I guess is where it comes up because um, he's in a real stressful situation too. We just had a, a death in family about five weeks ago. And so um, that's, uh, that really, because all the way along I'm going to, to make amends to get this thing over with, there's some roots of um, uh, how do you uh, self-seeking. I think my thing, not sincerely, you know, just kind of like being sorry, but not really, you know, really. I guess dealing with the pain of the past of what I had done, and now I'm the fruits are coming to bear, and I want to get rid of it. Yeah, <laughs> so. Great insight, good awareness, and a lot of self-compassion. Yeah, that's, yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard. And actually, that's exactly one of the, the exercises that uh, Gil Fronsdale is inviting us to do, is to really look at some of how we want to, you know, quick, you know, get rid of it. And, you know, that's the impatience, right? And, and often we don't want to feel it. I see that a lot, you know. Um, I'm good, I'm fine, I don't need to grieve anymore. I actually read a, heard a powerful moth radio story about a woman who had grieved the loss of her husband, 
and she thought she'd done her grieving, and then she went on this um, canoe trip in these rapids in the canyon, and got sick as as a, a dog, and um, and then she realized what her body was saying is that she needed to be with her grief, and she spent days alone in the canyon while other people went off on day hikes, and just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. It was very moving. It was like. Well, I've grieved, I'm done, but she really, you know, often we move on with our lives because we have things to do and we need to pay the bills, but that that had, like this, her body, by getting so sick, forced her to have to stop and just be and let the waves come. So, thank you. How about other folks? Yeah, go ahead. My name's David. My name is David, and um, I really liked your focus on patients tonight, and especially the active patients thing, because I sometimes get confused. I, I, I ask myself, am I, is being patient simply being complacent? Just because I can sit here and be quiet and not get upset, is that really being patient, or is that just checking out and giving up? Um. And on a completely different note, another thing you brought up tonight I really like is that those quotes about anger. Ever since I came here, I, well, my father was an angry man, so you you know how this goes, and then I, I, we all have that capacity as humans. I used to think it was because of him, but then I'm like, well, we're all human. He was just one example. I'm another example. And I was in some tension with my husband and things weren't going well. We weren't, we weren't making any progress. And I think thanks to some of the things I learned here, I tried an experiment one night. I just decided not, he would do something. I found it very annoying. And and instead of getting angry, I thought I'm just going to do an experiment. It's not because I'm, I shouldn't get angry. I deserve to get angry. That's how I actually thought about it. I think. Uh, you have every right, you know. But I said, I'm just going to do an experiment based on what they've been teaching me. I'm just gonna, not going to get angry. I'm just going to let it go, but not not ignore it, but not react to it at that moment. Wait for the right time. That's what you said earlier, right? Wait, wait with patience to know to let the wisdom reveal itself. So anyway, I didn't react and didn't get all upset. And the next day. Things were calmer, and I realized, first of all, I looked back on the incident that was so annoying, I was so angry about, and I thought, really? You were, you were upset about that little thing? That I, I almost had to laugh. It was so silly. And secondly, I thought, oh, I wonder whether I'm contributing to all of this tension by my behavior. And it was very humbling. And I'm beginning to believe that anger is not useful hardly. I mean, there may be places where it's useful, but I haven't seen it. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the wisdom in the room is incredible. Thank you. I think we have time for one and a half more comments. (laughs) If we're patient. (laughs) 
patience is a verb. <laughs> Hi, my name is Clay. Um, my father passed away about three months ago, and my mother's been dealing with gathering up all of his things, and today is the auction that they had. They live in Canada. And my sister's been messaging me throughout the day, asking me, would you like to have this? Would you like to have that? I can save you this. And and I've, I live in a 500-square-foot apartment. I don't need horses' bridles and things <laughs> like they lived on a farm. And so I've tried to just be patient with her and know that she has been she's trying to do something for me and she's dealing with this at a difficult time um so that's one thing that i was dealing with i was being patient with her because she was trying to work through some of these things and the other thought that i had um this really interesting dichotomy of being passive passively patient might be actually just being you know, avoiding an issue. And I thought of the phrase, you know, we're mad as hell and we're not going to take it anymore. Could it be that active patience is kind of like we're patient as hell, but we're not going to take it anymore. Yes. Yeah. That's what I had. Thank you for transforming that. I love that. Yes. And like when Nona LaDuke said, you know, that perseverance to keep on, you know, how do we, Fight the good fight. How do we keep making a stand? How do we keep speaking truth to power? How do we challenge and change? And we have to do it internally, externally. Otherwise, we're just joining in the this, the, the raging out, right, and the the harm. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful. Hi, I'm Erin. This is the second time I've been here. Hi, Erin. Um, Welcome. <laughs> I have two little tiny kids, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, and so I'm looking at patients in a really different, really immediate way. Like, when they kick me, ha, 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 I I can't, I have a lot of trouble just, like, stepping back and, like, just breathing and, and trying to be patient there, but I'm just hoping that I learn from them, mostly the four-year-old at this point, like, how to how to create space and, you know, honor what he needs. But patience is something that's really come up for me lately. <laughs> can, I, can I just quick share? Um, there, because I teach these mindfulness-based stress reduction courses through, through the U and the community, I actually had um, a woman who's, um, who um, was a, a partner of a vet but is now a single parent through the, his death. And I won't say how the death happened. But this person, and I've had other moms and dads and folks, parents in the class, um, they started practicing right there with their children on a regular basis. And that their three-year-old would say to their five-year-old, Mommy's doing her yoga now. And they, they actually, because she, was, she came to the class because she was beside herself having kittens, and she... Um, did not like what was happening because of all the stress and then the death and the loss and all the transition and three young children. And I've had other folks say that that their practice and like how they then got creative too and how they worked with that energy. 
And sometimes just bringing that in, and even with the kids there, and you know, they were relatively safe, and for short moments, she could just pause, take a breath. And so she's actually in training them in that, and they'll, oh, I'm going to take a breath now. Or, you know, um, and anyway, um, may you get more support and get a lot of support around mindful parenting, and I hear you about it. And it's possible, and I can see you're, you're here, and keep going. Yeah. So thank you, everyone. Shall we finish up with a little loving kindness and close tonight? And then any announcements Kathy has for us? Um, we have so much richness happening in this community. It's exciting. So thank you. So let's dedicate the merit, the benefits of our practice and our sharing tonight to the benefit and awakening of all sentient beings everywhere, including ourselves and those near and dear and far and wide in all places and times, you know, to all sentient beings everywhere in all directions. Let's just take a few moments. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for coming tonight and your participation and wisdom and and practice. And uh, may you have the patience to persevere. (laughs) Have a great summer. This talk, like all programs at Common Ground, is offered freely in the spirit of generosity. To learn more about Common Ground and its programs, or if you would like to donate, please visit our website, www.commongroundmeditation.org.